Excuse me. Uh, you're Dr. Bashir, aren't you? That's right. I'm Lita. I've been meaning to come by the infirmary to see you. <coughs> oh, dear. How long have you had that cough? A few days now. May I? Cough for me. Is it serious, Doctor? No, but it's a good thing you came to me when you did. We need to start your treatment immediately. Bring me a Fenelian toddy. Very hot. Make that too. I'm feeling a bit of a cough coming on myself. I'm sorry to hear that, Doctor. Oh, please. Call me... Julian. Hi. I'm Jadzia. Lita. And add this word to your vocabulary Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor I'm just the definition of a Bad boy, baby I'm a nerd overdrive I will always survive Bad boy, baby Feel so alive watching Babylon Listen up, fanboys. It's the Fanboy Planet Podcast, and here he is, the man with the plan, Derek McCaw. It's true. It's Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. And this has been, it's been a little while since we've been able to sit down. Is is this a three, what's going on? I'm hearing chimes. Ignore them. You don't hear chimes. But you're hearing, no, no, don't tell me I'm not hearing them. You don't hear chimes. Tell me you are. Do you smell toast? I smell oranges. Does anybody else smell oranges? I'm getting the shine. We have an orange tree. Mmm. It's just distracting me immensely. Anyway, uh, it's been a few weeks since we've been able to sit down. Yes. Uh, I think three. So <laughs> well, Since we've sat, sat down. down uh, sat down at the same table to discuss uh, pop culture. And uh, so, uh, yeah, here we go. Uh, we, are, we are missing Nate Costa, but uh, of course- We miss Nate Costa. We do miss Nate Costa, but as always, when he's not with us, it's probably because he has work. So, so we're, we're happy grateful for, for that. Him. Yeah. We're grateful for that. Uh, so, <clears throat> anyway, of course, across from me, podcast producer. Moral Compass. Rick Brett Snyder. I haven't said Moral Compass in months. I know. <laughs> you don't get it. It's It just <laughs> hangs in the air. It waits to be said. Uh, okay. Just keep pointing north. Anyway, uh, so, of course, if you're listening to us on iTunes, please rate us, review us, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can do the same thing on the Stitcher app. You can st- uh, do that on, what was it, Podcast Pickle? We're on TuneIn. And we're on TuneIn, which I don't even know what that is, but that's all right. Don't it's explain an, it to me it's now. It's an app. <laughs> Everything's an app. This cup of coffee? It's a website. It's going to become an app. T-U-N-E-I-N. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anyway, uh, and of course, if you can also find us at fanboyplanet.com, uh, each might be T U N I N. What you gave me, what you typed to me was T U N T U N E dash in dot com. Anyway, uh, he's looking for that correction. Uh, you can find us uh, at www.fanboyplanet.com, and each podcast has a page of its own where you can also find, should you be listening to this and thinking there's something we've talked about that you would like to purchase and you cannot find it at your local book and mortar store 
book and mortar store. It's true. They're if you're buying book the and mortar, uh, well, you have to get the book to know how to make the building, and there it is. Uh, you can, of course, uh, purchase it through the Amazon uh, search box or sometimes uh, the Amazon links that are helpfully and specifically placed into uh, the text of our page. Uh, where also, if you are a fan of the podcast or like what we're doing at Fanboy Planet, you can use the PayPal app to also uh, donate a little bit of money towards Fanboy Planet to cover the cost of hosting and the cost of doing this podcast. You can't bear the brunt of the emotional cost, but I thank you anyway. Uh, and of course, if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. We do have a lot. Uh, since it has been about three weeks, uh, you know, I think we're taking a larger tack tonight. We've got some comics news, some movie news, some television news. Two weeks ago, uh, we, well, I attended Gallifrey One, a convention which you've seen some coverage at Fanboy Planet about. Uh, and tonight, I'm going to. We're going to feature an interview with Chase Masterson, who people know from Deep Space Nine. She's she was, adorable. She was Lita, the Dabo girl. Yes, uh, from Deep Space Nine, and she's on the interactive game now, the the web game, the Star Trek interactive game. Oh. She she voices a character there. She was on the Flash last year. Her character is the current owner of Barry uh, Allen's childhood home, and uh, and she's been a lot of and, and uh, for Big Finish, she has her own series called Vienna. Yes. Yes. So anyway, but but all that. It's all very well and good, and I've known Chase for for 17, 18 years. You've known her for a while. Uh, but one thing that I – why I wanted to have an interview with her was not because of her work as an actress, but because she has doing in doing some amazing nonprofit work with a group called – that used to be called the Pop Culture Anti-Bullying Coalition. And then she realized, and this is near and dear to my heart, that you should be using your powers for good, for positive things. So they turned it into a positive title. It's the Pop Culture hero coalition instead and it's still focusing on anti-bullying efforts but they're trying to bend out and just basically using your powers only for good you can be heroes absolutely so uh there's it we got a few minutes with her at gallifrey one at her table and had a good time talking to her so without further ado chase masterson and we are here at gallifrey one twenty seven. With Chase Masterson, uh, who I've been chasing for a few conventions to talk about <laughs> your uh, your anti uh, how do you get pop culture anti bullying campaign your organization. Uh, of course, people should know you from uh, Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. Uh, you're also in the game, the online game, uh, and you're on the online game. On the online recording? game, yes, I'm on. Uh, well, hi everybody. First, I'll say <laughs> hello, and I love Fanboy Planet, and it's just a real pleasure to be here. Yeah, because we first inter- uh, talked with you 16 years ago. Oh, good I, Lord, who's I'm counting? Sorry, I'm sorry, we, it was for Creature Unknown. Oh, my uh, gosh. With Creative Light. Yeah. And uh, a little bit of work on Comic Book the Movie. That's how I, that's yeah, how we, began, yeah. we began talking and, and, of course, run into each other over the years. So. No, but you know what? There's no shame in that. I love having been part of this genre. Because, come on, we were Comic-Con before Comic-Con was cool. No, absolutely. We've been family, you guys, <laughs> since way before the rest of the world really caught on to how true. much fun it is to be a geek and to love genre entertainment, and I'm proud of that. And I think, and I, if I can talk to that now that I've watched conventions over the years, you really embraced that early on. And, 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 I, and I do mean that as, as, a, as a compliment, but you've also, I think you engage with fandom in a way that I think 
people are ju- other people celebrities are just now catching on to. Thank you. You know, because I remember last year getting a Facebook, hey, there's a flash viewing party at this at this club because I'm gonna you know, All right. you know I remember that I couldn't make the make the viewing party, but realizing that you were interacting like that, I thought that's always been who you've been. You've always been open. Thank you. Uh, and and engaging and I think people are catching Oh my gosh! I I think before social media was social media was the thing you you were doing it. Thank you. I mean, yes, I bought my whole fan club dinner at conventions sometimes because I love being around you guys, and it's just there's been so much fun and friendship and like mindedness in my life due to Star Trek, and I'm extremely grateful. And that's translated, thankfully, into other roles, different movies, like you said, Creature Unknown, The Flash. Uh, was wonderful. Andrew Kreisberg wrote that role for me on The Flash. And, that was a fun um, little part. It was fun, yes. And um, uh, I, 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 I hear I may come back. Who knows? I don't know. But we'll, I've you know, been the, wondering about it because they keep circling back around. For those, uh, please, you've all watched The Flash. Uh, but, uh, we all but love for, The Flash. But for those who are listening who don't know, uh, Chase played the current owner of Barry's childhood home. Yes. And the so place where back Barry Tom was killed. Yeah. And uh, so lots of fun and lots of ideas on, on maybe how that could happen, me coming back. I don't know. But the bottom line is I've had a beautiful time with fans. And I'm really grateful to be a part of this. And I really mean it. And that's part of the reason why I founded the Pop Culture Hero Coalition. And it, we used to be called the Pop Culture Anti-Bullying Coalition. And we changed that to be a more proactive, pro-social not just against something, but for heroism. I really now, like that, that. Thank you. That we love heroism on screen. Let's make it happen in real life. And it's because of my respect for the fans and the things that I've heard fans doing throughout the years that I had this idea. You know, I can't tell you the number of times when I've landed at a convention and people have said, here's $300. We had a, a car wash for your charity. And because of that type of thing, we became the largest private contributor for caring for babies with AIDS with my original Star Trek fan club during the run of the show. Um, we raised more money through just little grassroots efforts like that than any other private entity. And then um, we moved on to do other things. Um, we supported, gosh, Katrina and... Um, a lot of other charities, 9-11, we, we brought thousands of dollars to a firehouse and gave it to them in cash because we wanted to show a, a solid show of support. And we spoke with the firemen for a couple hours, actually, sitting in, in the house there at their table. And, and really, we wanted to reach out as a community because that's what these shows are about. Mm-hmm. That's what Trek is. It's making a better future. That's what The Flash is. It's heroism, showing up when people need help. And that's what, uh, I say, it's a Gallifrey one, Doctor Who, as Craig Ferguson said, and compassion and intellect will be yes. root, root force. And, compassion and intellect. Yeah, every time. Every so. time. And I wish the world learned work that way. <laughs> I've often said I think the United Nations could learn something from Star Trek and Doctor Who. But... That is what the United Nations stands for, and I'll take this opportunity to say I'm now serving on the advisory board of the United Nations Association. Thank you for being your own self-segue. Thank you. I really well, <laughs> thank you. This is the point I wanted to hit. Yeah, well, so I wasn't ahead. sure if you knew, but I I, it's, it's a real honor because I get to help blend the world of pop culture with the real world, and there's few of us doing that in in that in that space, in that 
in the UN space. But um, it's really fun, you know? That's what these stories stand for, so let's make it happen in real life. So, and you've been doing these panels, and yesterday we had Colin Baker uh, in talking about his time. I don't want to overplay it, but, you know, that confession that he himself had been a bully for a moment. I mean, it was a powerful moment. Yes, it was. And it was yes, a powerful was. panel, and I kind of walked out of that feeling. Uh, we'll be talking later with Suleiman. Um, I, how did you get all these people involved? And, 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 and we're, we're kind of almost gliding over. You're working for the UN. I mean, they're all agreeing there is something yeah. here that needs to be done. Well, that name goes a, a, a little ways, i got to tell you. In a long ways, I mean. Um, the more people we get on board, the more people want to get on board. And so our first partner in this was the United Nations Association. I called them cold. And I said, hey, you know, this is Chase from Star Trek, and we're doing this thing to make a stand against bullying at Comic-Con, and would you like to join us? And they said, oh, my God, we've always wanted to go to Comic-Con. This is the United Nations Association. So we uh, got the San Diego chapter on board three years ago. That was followed by the um, Anti-Defamation League and the No Hate campaign, and GLSEN and Girl Scouts of America and uh, the International Bullying Prevention Association. So there were a lot of people that jumped right on board, and it's just grown from there. Um, We're working on a project... um, Well, I don't want to say too much because there's some press releases that are going to go out, but we're growing and growing. Academically, we're working in schools. Um, I don't personally, but I, I... I help facilitate all of this. I'm the director of the nonprofit and uh, all volunteer. We have people that go into schools and work with pop culture lessons with students. Like, how did Batman deal with his trauma? This is how you can deal with your trauma. So, one thing that we're doing is we're going to the school in San Bernardino that was affected by the shooting. The final shootout was about a half a mile from an elementary school, and we're sending two clinical psychologists there that deal with kids' trauma through the stories they love, through Batman, through Harry Potter, stuff like that. And that's a way to reach people, not just kids but adults too, you know, in the way that sci-fi does, in an allegorical way that people can hear and then take into their own lives. So one of our partners in all of this is Yale. We are working with Yale to create the first statewide anti-bullying mental health program. And that will be the state of Connecticut because that's where Sandy Hook took place and because that's where Yale is located. And we just feel like that is a great way to lead this country into creating focus well, for a, people. A better tomorrow through storytelling. Yeah. And, and it is something that I think you're starting to see in pop culture back in, and, you know, if you pass a word to Mr. Kreisberg, um, one, you know, one of the reasons that I think The Flash resonates so much, and flip side on CBS Supergirl, same thing, is um, these are stories about hope. Yeah, exactly. They're not hiding that the world is full of some pretty crappy situations. Right, But right. that doesn't mean we have to lose ourselves and right. our souls. Right, right. Um, and it's a battle sometimes. And I think that's what's one of the things that's so great about The Flash, particularly, and and Arrow and different shows. I love what Kreisberg and Berlanti are doing. The, the, the characters are so vulnerable. They get hurt. 
they get they get their feelings hurt. They mm-hmm. have their struggles. They don't want to always be the good guys, and yet they rise above that and become the people that we ourselves hope that we will also be. Which is why at least some of us liked comic books in the first place when we were kids. You know, yeah. and, and is that the DC universe is kind of the DC universe on screen. Yeah. And the point of you saw tomorrow that how the future used to be really cool. And now right. our future isn't. Right, right. And we need to get back to that. So I think yeah. that, that you're definitely there. So the website for that is, if people want to get involved in your campaign, yeah. is... Yo, popcultureherocoalition.org. <laughs> okay. So again, let me say, sure. website is popcultureherocoalition.org. We would absolutely love your support there. Um, you can email us through that website. You can make a donation if you would. We are all volunteer. And for two and a half years before we got our nonprofit, we were self-funded. So popcultureherocoalition.org. Our Twitter is at Superhero IRL. I'm wearing Again, the ribbon right now. Twitter and Instagram uh, is at Superhero IRL for in real life. And our Facebook, we need to change that. Uh, we just got caught up in some Facebook rules, but it's called uh, Pop Culture Anti-Bullying Coalition on Facebook. And um, it just, we, we have some red tape to deal with in changing that name. So please join us. Please follow us and support us and tell your friends. The work that we're doing is crucial. I mean, kids are killing themselves. And people are still committing ridiculous acts of bullying, whether it's bullying in schools or it's bullying in the workforce every one of us has experienced it and it's not nice it's not fun and we need to create a a culture of kindness and compassion and love and cherishing for who each person is everybody deserves that it's a human right to be cherished for exactly who you are and we just want to let people know that we value them and um it's, it's a fun thing to do, i got to tell you. I mean, no one should have the right to tell anybody else how to live their life. And we're glad to be the people to come in and say, you're fine, you're great, be you. That's awesome. I don't want to take away from any of that, so <laughs> I'm going to end right there. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk about this, Chase. It's just such amazing work you're doing. Thank you. I am blessed to be able to do it. Hey, um... I'm at Chase Masterson on Twitter, and I'd love to keep in touch. And if you guys have any questions or comments, tweet me. Love you guys. And again, thank you to Chase for sitting down and making time with me at Califre- Califrey. My gosh. California's Gallifrey. You know what it is? I, it's all decaf coffee. And yeah. Normally I do, I do the caffeinated. You and need to drink some now more I of that pronounce. hot and sour soup. Oh, uh, maybe. Uh, only now it's cold. It's not so hot. Anyway, uh, Thank you to Chase for sitting down at Gallifrey One and having a conversation. This is not the end of Fanboy Planet doing some work with Pop Culture uh, Hero Coalition. Uh, I'm hoping to narrow down interviews with a couple of other people that were on her panel at Gallifrey One, which also I did some coverage of that last week. Uh, Colin Baker, who was the sixth doctor, uh, was on that panel and was sort of he began by saying, I don't know what I'm doing here. And then uh, it was fascinating to see his uh, his conversation and his realization of the importance of the work. Uh, but definitely, was I think that they're going to be at uh, well, they'll be at 
WonderCon, and they'll be at Comic-Con. They do a panel every year. I'm not sure if they're going to come up to Silicon Valley Comic-Con or not. Mm. We were having a little bit of exchange about that. But if you are at a convention uh, where Chase Masterson and her group uh, are ha- are talking about their anti-bullying efforts and they're using Powers for Good, definitely, definitely attend because it is a very, truly, moving experience. And the people that are using their powers only for good are they're inspiring people. So let's talk about the thing that inspires us, which is say comics. Um, <clears throat> what was that? Comics. Comics. Oh. Marvel launched their new latest crossover, which is sort of the crossover prelude. I don't know. Can you call it? It's not a line wide crossover. They have a checklist, and it's sort of like that Black Vortex X Men Guardians of the Galaxy thing. I think it's, it hits the top notes. It's smaller. It's like only 12 books a month that you have to buy for, they promise, only two and a half months. And, uh, it's, so it'll be four months and about 40 books. Yes. So it's called Avengers Standoff. And uh, it began with Avengers Standoff, colon, Assault on Pleasant Hill, number one, last week. Uh, this is, again, Avengers-centric and I think just in time for Civil War. Because maybe they could not get Civil War Two ready in time for yeah. Captain America Civil War to be in the theater. Who's writing that? Is that Bendis again? Or? No, this is Nick Spencer. Oh, okay. Bendis is writing Civil War Two. Right. Yes, right. Yes, this is Nick Spencer writing uh, Assault on Well, right. Right. Avengers Standoff. I keep getting confused because it's Assault on Pleasant Hill is the first book. Right. Uh, where I felt it's almost like a. It, it was a book that I bought. Thinking and read and realized once again that comics are in a quandary. They're trying to appeal to people like myself while trying to get new readers. And they're just revisiting the same beats over and over again. And so readers like myself have seen it all before. I won't spoil which uh, great twist from 20 years ago was almost completely repeated. Wow. But it was like I I read the book and went, hmm, I was reading this feeling like I had experienced all this before. It's not the Vision's kids, is it? No. Okay. No. Uh, that wasn't really a great twist. That was more of a disturbing, even when I, you yes. know, when it's, it's just Wanda's powers. No, I, I really don't want to spoil it if people want to pick it up. Because if you're a new reader to Marvel, it probably will seem like a great twist. I'm just saying it happened before involving another, uh, an earlier Marvel crossover from the 90s. And I read this book going, all right, it's a little Twilight zone You've got some misdirection going on. It's clear what's what's happening, or maybe it's not. Uh, there was a moment of if Doc Savage could have created a town out of his crime college, this is what it would be. Okay. You know, and, and so... It felt, I mean, even the title, Pleasant Hill, I thought, okay, they're trying to be a little evocative of Twilight Zone. Um, I, and it's the first time that I that I felt like, uh, yeah, I don't need to pick up anything. I, I don't think there's really that many books in the in the crossover that I'm buying anyway, so I'm not going to bother with any of the other ones. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny because after the, um, after the worlds came back together again, I think I'm only buying about half of the Avengers books. Whereas That's I used to buy them all, yeah, and I didn't. I didn't I'm not buying the Kid Avengers book because I just don't buy those anymore. And uh, <coughs> there was one other. I think there are four four core Avenger books. I think so, and I think I'm. 
I'm buying two, but I can't tell you which ones they are because I don't remember which adjectives. Yeah. yeah. You know, There's and, the Uncanny Avengers. I think I'm buying that one. I think I stopped. I didn't buy this version of the Uncanny Avengers. And then there's the regular the Avengers. Because I'll, I'll be honest. There's the nothing. All new, all different Avengers. Yeah, I'm buying that. There's A-Force, which is kind of an Avengers-like thing. But what I realized is I, I no longer feel the urgency and if I'm subscribing, I hate to say that I've crossed over there, but really, if I'm subscribing to Marvel Comics Unlimited, mm-hmm. I have no need to buy them if I can wait six months. Yeah. And then I can power through. Like, I'm I'm, I'm going through Mark Wade's run on Daredevil right now on Marvel Comics Unlimited, really enjoying it. You know what's a really good one to do if you never read the original one is uh, go back and read um, the Nova. 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 Yes, the Nova read Corps. Read Nova Corps. Uh, read Nova. Right, not the real. I mean, because the because real is not on Marvel Comics Unlimited yet. But there's all. It's a of good Nova. one. You can yeah. power through it because it doesn't cross over that much. <coughs> so it's all right. they're all pretty much well. That's, I, stories. That, that's on my list, and I'm realizing. Give me another two months, I will get to read every Secret Wars crossover that I was even vaguely interested in, even if I bought them because yeah. I have them stacked and I've lost track of the order of where I read. So like I'm going back through Age of Ultron versus Marvel Zombies right now, going this is really cool. Yeah, you know, so that's. Marvel, you've driven me away from I don't want to spend three ninety nine uh, for a specific title when I'm I feel or in the case of I believe Assault on Pleasant Hill was a five ninety nine book. Wow! I did it because I wanted to see and I thought and I had some time to. So this was a, the first issue. I didn't see it. It's today. like an alpha. It, it was, was it was last week. It was it was, last, it was week. last week. So I'm sorry. I'm going to be you know circling back around a little bit to old yeah. old old well, I didn't news because it it's older either, for for so. us. Yeah. So eh, you know I. I don't know what Civil War Two will have to have to go, but I think I can see this series leading into it. I just don't. I just didn't feel the urgency. But if you are new to this, it's a well done book. Mark Bagley's doing the art. It's like that guy's great. He's the you know longtime artist on Ultimate Spider Man when it was Peter Parker. Um, you know, so it's a well put together book. I like Nick Spencer's writing. It's just this is a moment of again. I feel very tired of. <laughs> Of these things, same well, things happening over too. and over again. So, uh, but speaking of uh, three ninety nine books, four ninety nine books, five ninety nine, holding the line at two ninety nine, they're going back to it. Yeah, DC. Re- well, I let's let's step back. <laughs> DC at Comics Pro, which is the uh, group of retailers. It's not all the retailers in America. There are, apparently there's another uh, retailer organization in the U.S. and I can't remember what the name of it is. But and I and I'll, I'll be comics? honest. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest that my my bias is, of course, that Comics Pro. One of the founding members is is my good friend Car D'Angelo, who runs Earth Two. Um, so I'm probably more aware of Comics Pro than I am of the activities of the other one. I don't think the other one caught on as well. Um, but they had their meeting in Portland, where basically all the publishers came. Although really now, you know, even though like DC and Marvel are kind of slowly moving everything or maintaining offices out in Los Angeles. It is kind of funny that Portland is becoming this very, this magnet. And it's not because of Dark Horse. It's just like a lot of creators, even yeah. creators work for Image and, and Marvel. Well, Bendis moved to to Portland. Greg Ruck is there. I think Ed Brubaker may have moved up there. So there are a lot of giants in the in, in writing. Joe Keating, our friend Joe Keating from uh, Image Comics way back when, who now writes for Marvel. They're all kind of gathering there. So it's become this mecca. So they do com- the Comics Pro uh, you know why they go there? Conference there? Why? Because Powell's of the, books. 
you don't really hear them. I, I don't see them tweeting. They don't have time reading. for pals. No, no, they're they're tweeting like crazy. Uh, every now and then, Ben also is, also the best food trucks in the world. I think that's more likely. I, I think the weather's good. I don't know, but they but that's where they have their conference. And uh, Marvel came and did a little presentation. DC apparently did a four hour presentation about rebirth. Yeah. So I ran because they needed to. I pulled, yeah, I pulled the video. Well, and that's I'm going to give it. If you watch that video with Jeff Johns yeah. talking about it, one of the things that with Jeff Johns and Kevin Smith, right? No, no, that was the special. That was the special. Okay, half hour special on the CW. Okay, uh, four weeks ago, the little video I ran on Fanboy Planet because oh, okay. you said, "Hey, it's not a video," and I said, "Oh, that's a screenshot." Right. Yeah, um, that video which was unveiled for the retailers, right? right. He was not in attendance because I don't think he's allowed to leave Los Angeles by Diane Warren. Um, no, that's not her name. Diane Warren's a songwriter. Um, but anyway, that um, he said, which I thought was coming close to self-criticism of saying that when we announced DC, when, when like the, just the title came hear. out, you, some of you were curious. Some of you were probably cynical. And I thought, okay, good. You're addressing the elephant in the room, right? And I thought it very interesting. They showed they showed a lot of you know classic images, and then people are extrapolating from it. Oh, it's like it's this, it's that, and this means that. And I'm like, no, they're really showing what they're acknowledging were their successes. <laughs> Everyone's touching a different part of the elephant. Yeah, it, it really was. I mean, you <laughs> know, like they have that Alex Ross painting of JSA. So it's like, oh, the JSA is back exactly the way. Right. And there's the Keith Giffen, Steve Lytle Legion of Superheroes. Oh, so the Legion's back. Right. Well, maybe you know, maybe. Um, but it's still qu- not quite clear. All this is we're going to bring a sense of legacy back, and uh, so it was a four-hour presentation where indeed the retailers just said basically you betrayed us. You've you know you've got a bunch of books that don't sell. You've you've raised the price. So they're saying first they're going to make it back to two ninety nine because a lot of their books have creeped up to three ninety nine and four ninety nine specials. And they said no, they're going back to two ninety nine. So I applaud that move. Yep, absolutely. There are still books that I think are probably going to continue untouched, just as people have noted to me that, like, even for Marvel and Secret Wars, there were still a couple of titles that really didn't touch on it that kept going. Oh, yeah. Or, or you know, or stopped, you know, yeah. suspended, but they were still, like, what was Matt Murdock doing in Secret Wars? He showed up in a couple of things, I think. Oh, he was, yeah, no, he was in a couple. Of, he was, uh, uh, he was in the uh, Inhumans. <laughs> He was in the Inhumans uh, thing with Black Bolt. He was a uh, um, he was there in the bar that Black Bolt was. But he was kind of but kind of minor. Where it's almost like an eighteen eighteen ninety six or eighteen eighty six or whatever that seventeen oh six. I don't know what was that sixteen oh one sixteen oh one that fifteen oh one. Come on, you were there fourteen fifty two. Yeah. So I mean, I think there were titles that they didn't want to touch, and I think there are still some things in. Now knowing what we know, so Jeff Johns will stop writing Justice League, and if you've had a chance to look at like the Justice League, the, which is the Dark Side War, yeah, now realizing this is his swan song. I'm actually that, just getting caught up on that on right that now. team title that he, you know, that he revitalized as part of the New Fifty Two. He's leaving it. I don't think they've said what he's going to write if he's, he's going to write anything, because I think things are really heating up with television and movies. No, he needs to be there coordinating, make sure other people don't screw up. That's what his that's what his job was. Yeah. Right. It was meant to be, right? So and that's what he said is he oversaw everything. Um so 
they did release. There's going to be so there's going to be uh, a May book that's the the Rebirth special, and that like similar how they launched Zero Hour, I think, or not Zero Hour. Uh, Infinite Crisis was like a big eighty-page one right. shot. They haven't said what the price on that one was. I'm going to bet it's not two ninety-nine, but I could be wrong. Uh, and Dan DiDio promised it would have the most shocking, uh, most controversial scene in DC history. I'm like, don't give me controversy. Yeah. just give me a damn good Thanks, book, Dan. Yeah, I, yeah. When when Dan speaks well, up, let's there, get everybody talking about the controversy <laughs> instead of the good story. And asking that everybody stop speculating to WonderCon. Yeah, and that's when they're going to talk about it. Well. I'm not going to go to WonderCon. I don't know. I'm going to speculate now. But there are a bunch of books that they say there's the, the Superman, S-U-P-E-R yep. dash M-A-N or hyphen. Um, so, and there's a Superwoman and there's Super Sons and there's Super Peg for Cancellation, uh, you know, titles that people, because there's still action, which yeah. I really love that action detective are going back to the original numbering. So we're going to kind of fun. We're going to live long enough to see. So they're going, they're going to pick up where they stopped or they're going to include the issues between where they stopped and well, where sort of like when Marvel now. did that, when Marvel changed the, 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 uh, Spider-Man numbering for a while. Yeah. Um, they, well, the did they add all the numbers that would have been in place. Yeah. So, yeah. They, so they considered those, yeah. you know, and which, I mean, let's face it, like Gold Key used to do that. Say it was a sure. Every year it was volume whatever that right. it had been, you know. And then in the little indicia, it would still be like, you know, it's really issue 42, you know, or whatever. Yeah. So, um, so they're resuming with those two. There's a, a bunch of new series. Well, and, and some are on the chopping block. Secret Six is going away. That's unfortunate. Martian Manhunter is going away, which I also consider I just got caught up on Secret Six. I just, I, it's such a wacky, fun book. <coughs> Really like it, and in fact, that may be one of my uh, selections. So, anyway, uh, so the big event is coming, and and it does feel like uh, haven't we been here before? Yeah. Except they're characters that I love, but as I said a couple of weeks ago, when people when we first when they first leaked it a few weeks ago, and people were saying, "Oh, it's a shame to see that happen to DC." I used to love those characters, but I haven't bought them in years. I'm like, well, then that's why they're yeah. doing it. Yeah. So they tried to get the the new readers. That didn't work. Trying to get the old readers, you know, that we were driven away by a lot of new fifty two. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the the two things that I do hope that are true out of those out of those images is, I do want a justice society that is nineteen forties based. And if you're going to go back to the idea of because there's not a JSA book listed, but there's still an Earth two. Mm-hmm. If you're going to go back to the idea that Earth two is or the World War II heroes, and we're going back to the multiple Earths, do it. I'm happy with that. If sure. that's what the Superman is, is like Cal L with just an L, right? Uh, you know, who's fighting in Metropolis in 1938. Wonderful. I want to see that. I want to see what you do with that. Bring back the that that concept. And if I'm trying to fi- figure out where it fits, is Super Sons where the Legion of Superheroes fits? You know, I. They're not. I mean, they classically, book, classically, right? Super Sons. It was literally right. The, these imaginary stories of the son Sons, of Bruce Wayne yeah. and the son of Clark Kent. And I think wasn't it? They wouldn't even. They wouldn't even commit to it being Lois Lane being the mother. There would always be, or, or was it? We didn't know who who uh, Bruce Wayne Junior's mother was. They were always like shadowed. Their faces right. were all you know, always blurred, so you wouldn't know. But I would like to see a classic. Jim Gordon's ex-wife. I would like to see a classic Legion of Superheroes oh, yeah. 
book come back. And I don't not, want it tied to anything. I want it in its own universe, not tied to anything, not visiting any other books. Right, because those were the ones we loved. I mean, yeah. it was, you know, and that's and I think that's what what these publishers with the shared universes forgot for a while is that like Legion of Superheroes was great with its own continuity. Jesus, it was a thrill when the Justice how many League finally met. Them. Are there like seventy Legionnaires? You don't need to cross over with other books. And I don't want it, but I don't. I also want to see seventy Legion books. I just no. want to see one, one because it worked for many, many years. They come in and out, and you know. Okay, maybe like you can do a five issue Karate Kid miniseries, just because you know I missed that book. Um, it was a favorite when I was a kid. Yeah, uh, but uh, that was him in the few in, in the present. In the present, right. he came back yeah. for yeah, some, time bubble broke down because uh, no, he stayed. No, they he purposely oh, that's, yeah. stayed back. Yeah, yeah. There was they came back to fight something and. I think there was one where they they tried to rekindle that again later where he was stranded. I'm well, and then they sure. and then the beginning of the new 52 was the Legion lost where yes. they were stranded here. Yep. And they said that's when there was the flashpoint wall. Yes. So I was like, "Oh, they had that little get out of jail free card and there it is. They're going to play it." You know, who knows. They were in a little bubble. But who knows because we really are just speculating. I would like to see it revive any publisher trying to trying to save me money. I'm, ha- you know, or I shouldn't say save me money. If they really wanted to save me money, they'd stop publishing. But if, if uh, but trying to keep my costs down as a consumer, I'm happy with that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, something you said, I can't remember what exactly it was, but it reminded me of one of my favorite speculations about comics and about the DC and Marvel universes. And that is that at some point in the future, we may be at a point where one of the companies just is not doing well enough to keep going. And gets bought by the other, and then everything gets pulled into one universe, kind of like when. Um, oh, you know that almost happened in the eighties. Yeah, um, Marvel's owners gave up, almost gave up. Yeah, yeah. And they talked to DC about, uh, or it's the other way around. Warner Brothers gave up on DC, and talked to, and by the time that Jim Shooter could negotiate it, apparently to publish Superman and Batman. Warner Brothers took the took the offer off the table. Yeah, but so, I mean, it could happen again, and that would be, I think, that would actually <coughs> reinvigorate well, everything. We've talked about that before. The idea there was a who is it? Uh, News Corp was trying to buy Warner, mm-hmm. uh, and then that failed. Um, so it wouldn't be. And the rumor had been, and I haven't heard a thing since, was that Disney was was seeking was the next suitor in line for Warner Communications, and that would do it. Um, you know, because I, I think from my amusement park perspective of looking and going, well, you know, that I feel when you go to something that's like, like, as you, as we saw to, I didn't have it on the list, but on Sunday night, Disney, you know, on ABC did a Rush. little, yeah. not much more than what we saw at D23. Not, not much at all. A couple of things though. There were a couple of new things, but they were just like a couple of new seconds of an image, yes. you know, but. Um, they animated that one photo. <laughs> one painting, <laughs> Yes. I appreciated it, yeah. and Harrison Ford almost looked real. Yes, uh, so his hair was his hair was neater than it was at D twenty three. But when you see how immersive Star Wars Land is going to be at, but or it promises to be at both places, mm-hmm. and um, I was I went to Universal Studios on Saturday and walked around and seeing like, why is Scooby Doo at Universal Studios when it's a Warner property? Knowing why aren't the the superheroes here then oh because they're over at six flags and they did a crappy job at magic mountain of of making gotham city you know so um that i'd like to see a group uh to see a a company care right 
that, you know, realize what kind of characters are they have responsibility to. And I admit, you know, we're at a point now the comics, let's face it, are, as Warner used to teach, treat it, is uh, they're IP generators. They're not, they're not the main thing anymore. Right. You know, when you see that rebirth thing and you, it, that, the shadows and you say, okay, whatever that character is that looks like Green Arrow looks a lot more like Arrow. Yes. Then Green Arrow, I'm the like, hood sure, and, yeah. because every week he was shinier though, wasn't he? Hey, they're all in Look, silhouette. Yeah, no, but he had. I thought there were. That's the blue curtain. It's it's mylar. Okay, um, that's that's the reflection. Um, but more people, you know, um, hundreds of thousands more people watch, watch Arrow TV. every week yeah. than have ever picked up a Green Arrow solo book. Yes. Same with The Flash. I mean, I read an article this week about how the first TV series was a failure. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, because the first TV series didn't really get who Barry Allen was. Yeah. It was fine. It was fun for the time. So, okay. I want to jump. Sure. So, the Flash episode where they went to Earth 2 mm-hmm. and we saw a bunch of little vignettes. Didn't they show a picture of John Wesley's ship in the, in the Flash, Flash costume? They I did. thought that was so right. So they acknowledged that was real. They showed yeah. Supergirl. They showed Jonah Hex. Yeah. They showed a Legion flight ring, and there was something else. The only thing disappointing about Supergirl is that it implies that Supergirl's on an alternate Earth. Yeah. But, okay. Um, and their and their version of Earth 2 is very clearly Earth 2 and Earth 3 combined. Their version of Earth 2 is so awesome. It's just- I like that it's modern day, but it feels like it's trapped in the 40s. Yes. Uh, if only that's how our world worked. Um, you know, so it's interesting and you didn't watch last night's, but I didn't watch last night, but as people point out, you know, the villain was King shark. Yeah. They brought King shark back and then he better animated than he was the first time. Yeah. I mean, he still looks like they do a lot of shooting at night. Um, but there, they did too. There is one shot where it's like, they went all out on the budget to CG the King Shark because he leaps out of the water and they go into total slow motion just so you can all go, oh. It looks <laughs> like, And it was funny, but I'm like, yeah, that's. I want the Weather Wizard to come back and King Shark so we can get Sharknado. I'd say there's no time, but there is. <laughs> because, again, it's another show where I feel like, I can't believe they're burning through so much plot. But they are, you know, yeah. and it's fun. Okay, so um, let's let's turn it to what's in the bag. I'm going to, you know, I know you've got more kind of, I think. I actually am playing entirely by the rules, even though I'm bending them a little bit. <coughs> then you're not. Do you not understand what you just said? No, you'll, you'll appreciate what I'm doing. Moral, uh, you're the contradiction you will, compass? You will appreciate what I'm doing. All right, go ahead. Okay, my first book is The Avengers number six because we have a, we have a cover that harkens back to. An homage. Like, it's like Avengers 70 or something like that, where the vision showed up for the first time. It's Behold the Vision. They've done this a couple times now, haven't they? They have. So, see, it's, I bought it. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy all new, all different Avengers, but they have. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's cycling through. Because, I'm sorry to out you here, you bought the original Yes. Originally. I bought <laughs> it know? off a of spinner rack. I remember picking <laughs> I remember. Which grocery store I was in? Kids, spinner racks were these things where they could turn and they and, spun and, and not they had only that, comics in them. Not only that, I bought five consecutive issues off of one spinner rack. That's what got me into the Avengers. Off of one spinner rack on the same visit? On the same visit. Because, of course, yeah, they just stay on the rack till they sold. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Okay. So, that was the beginning of the, uh, that was, yeah, the beginning of the Skull Cree War. Okay. 
I'm going to scroll. I, I, I think I'd be almost too negative and haven't read any of these. So I'm going to, I'm going to bend the rule just a moment okay. to say things that, that, um, I'm, that's what I was going to, that I skipped because I knew you were going to, to do it. Cause I was only going to be hate buying it. Um, so <laughs> I thought I'd save the three ninety nine. And you're wondering, what was it? Uh, so uh, that I do want to call it, because we already name-checked it. Last week, the trade paperback to Secret Six, the first five issues right. of Gail Simone's, uh, or six issues, came out in a volume one, reasonably priced, again, like $17, so a little less than what you would have paid uh, had you bought them in, in, originally. And I want to say, uh, reading it, powering through, a bunch of issues at once and I'd read most of them, but I, I yeah. you know, yeah. was it still struck me how amazing that I loved her previous secret six series. Oh yeah. And that she could work with Gail Simone, the writer, by the way, could work within the rules of the new 52 and create a series just as compelling, just as fun with some of the same characters and then bringing in new versions, of some of the old characters, her version of the Catman of Catman <laughs> is so awesome, and I liked both ways. Yeah. I, li- I mean, like the way she wrote him before, but with a different origin. Yeah, and now you know. And, and one thing that I had not noticed when I was reading them individually was how the artist changed. I mean, literally changed artists when, and re- rarely seen it be so consistent in a book like this when the tone changed mm-hmm. when they were. On the run, you know, who's got them imprisoned? It's a very right, scratchy, right. Ugly, you know, it's almost ugly. Right. But on, on purpose, like it's gritty. That's a better word for it. Gritty. It's a gritty art yeah. style. And then when Mr. Big gets them to. Big stuff. Big, big, sh- big, big show. Big stuff. We know who it really is. And I'm trying to hold it. Ralph. You know, Ralph Dibney takes them to the suburbs. The first moment in the suburbs is day illegal eagle shim a much cleaner yeah and it stays that way yeah and i was like and that's in the middle of an issue and i thought oh somebody couldn't you know the original artist couldn't fill in the couldn't meet the schedule and that wasn't what it was at all it's it like was, this lovely crazy it sitcom, was a literal though. tonal shift and so i want to recommend if you can pick up secret six volume one unfortunately it is not surviving the dc rebirth but here's the thing I was upset that it got canceled at the end of Flashpoint. Yeah. And then There's Gail a- Simone snuck it back in in a new version. So this new version is just as entertaining as the old, which those also are in trade paperback. You can collect her old versions of, of Secret Six as well. But, you know, I go back to when the original one came out in the 60s with Mock- Who is Mockingbird? Mm-hmm. The. Uh, the, uh, the the where none of them had superpowers. It was right. just like yeah. And I I really want to seek out. It's got to be collected in a trade somewhere. They haven't yet. No, not no. even like in a in a no. Uh, oh, that's too bad. But I guess you know what I'm most. Impressed? It was fun because it was a departure from from the regular superhero stuff in a comic book form. Back in those days, because it was the spy. Yeah, it, you know, it was the spy craze of the '60s. So yeah. it was one of those series that came out from there. So. Go to your next one. So my next one, which is the one that you, uh, you hate. I'm besmirched ahead of time. And, and you know, I would buy it just on the, the basis of this cover because it's oh, Neil. Oh, I know. It's Neil Adams doing Superman, the I'm coming of the Superman. I couldn't risk buying it and risk that my son might want me to buy more. 
Okay. Wow. You live a complex life. I love Neil Adams' art. Yeah. I just don't like just when he Just look writes. at that first page. I don't care. I don't like when he writes. You want this. No, I don't. Yeah. And you got the, I mean, he is the master at catching. Now, this is not the greatest example of it, but the first image there is the newspaper reporter. And it's like, a, it's it's news newscast reporter. She. It's like, it's like a, a, a camera <laughs> caught her face at that point and it's not like his pose you know what it is neil adams is comfort art because he revolutionized and i don't want to diminish from his work he revolutionized comics in the late 60s along with yeah. steranko i give steranko all due credit too but and, and adams has to talk about that how he brought you know advertising style basically and lay and new thoughts and layout and so when i look at a neil adams page i go this is these are the things that caught me in them yeah. because, like, one of the first – well, I know the very first issue Green Lantern I ever bought was the one with John – the first appearance of John Stewart. Okay. Beware My Power. And right. I got it in a three-pack at TG&Y with a little plastic bag, you know? Right, right, right. And that was my first exposure to Neil Adams. I was going, that's astounding. You yeah. know? And I didn't know what – I mean, I don't think I even knew the word astounding. I was like six or seven and going, this is – Wow, you know, so Lex Luthor just jumping off the page at you and pointing right at you, just like I don't care if the story's bad. I'm just, I'm going to read it uh, again. To, I know I know music. you bought the collection of Batman Odyssey, so I did. <laughs> so at one point, you know, I would like you to sit down and try to explain, you know, what's going on in that in that story. Um, so I'm I'm gonna go back uh, again one week to Superman American Alien. Okay, Max Landis, because it retells the story of the first meeting of Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne. And I have read, I've lived a long time, and I've read many <laughs> versions of how they first met. And this was absolutely the best first meeting of Batman and Superman, or rather it is Clark Kent and Batman, that I have ever read. Cool. And... uh he all in that process he compares the they, mon- so they're meeting and they don't know who the other one is no 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 um the the layout of, of it is in the third issue uh, have you caught up no I haven't okay in the third issue him. in the third issue because they're they're really being told as short stories and there's kind of vague connections they're vignettes from different points in Clark's life so he's taking his gap year between high school and college okay he's wandering in the third issue and he go and he stumbles in Florida onto a yacht. Uh, or rather, someone someone uh, he's on a ship and he gets bombed or something. And he gets rescued from the water, and the yacht is Bruce Wayne's birthday party. But of course, being Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne being Bruce Wayne, he's not actually there. He's just it's the image. All right. Oliver Queen, millionaire playboy, college kid, thinks that Clark Kent is Bruce Wayne. So the whole third issue is everybody thinking he's Bruce. Interesting. And so then you flash forward in the fourth issue, like four or five years, and there's a meeting, uh, there's a, a conference of the millionaire, or now the billionaire playboys, basically, Oliver Queen, Bruce Wayne, and Lex Luthor. Like, you know, no some, Ted Cord? Some mag, they did not, because I don't think they know, there's a Blue Beetle revival coming in rebirth. They're not talking, uh, I don't think Max Landis may have been able to. Ruben and I said Ted. But I think what Max yeah. Landis is playing with is characters, sorry, sure. that people will know. Iconic. Yeah. Iconic. And Clark is an intern for the Daily Planet. He's got a, he won a contest, so he and Lois Lane are both like there for this there's this press conference and they're all and they're all all these kids, you know, college kids are working for the Daily Planet for a day. 
And you know, Lois is upset. It's a it's a pointless exercise. It's fluff. You're just going to rewrite the press release. And because Oliver Queen thinks that Clark is There's Bruce, he pulls him in, gives him an, forgives him when he finds out. Oh, you're you're this reporter. Max Landis lays out why Oliver Queen is different than Bruce Wayne, hmm. how his experience has changed him, and then he gets an elevator ride with Lex Luthor. And so it's the first meeting between Lex Luthor and Clark Kent. And Lex Luthor's giving an interview. And it lays out why Lex Luthor is such a complicated villain in the 21st century. And and then, I shall not spoil how Bruce Wayne stumbles across, uh, but it is it is the single best scene I have ever okay. seen. Makes the most sense. Yeah. I'll, I'll so, boost those in the reader. So there we go. All right. Next on yours? Next on mine. Last on mine. It showed up in the mail today. I'd ordered it a while we'll ago. It, right, we're, we're bending the rules. But it is a <laughs> it's a guide. It's like one of those traveler guides. What are they called? Uh, what's the brand? It's like an access access guide. Uh, the Wil- <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, Saul Worman. There's a there's a famous there's a famous publisher of them. That's what I'm trying. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. But it's it's a small book, a small paperback, square bound book. And it's you flip it from one side to the other. One side mm-hmm. is Metropolis, the other side is Gotham. And it's it's done up like a tour guide for each of the cities. And I think it just got I think it just got published this week. I think San Jose could uh, take a take a page out of this book. Uh, let's see that happen. Yeah. So it was. Uh, I'm trying to remember how much it was. It's. Uh, it's only in the UK. It's seven point nine. It's uh, twelve ninety five. So you've got the sites and museums, nightlife, arts and leisure, shopping, eating and drinking, and hotels for each of the each of the uh, cities. All so. right, I like that. That's really cool. So the last thing that I recommend, because it ties into multimedia thing, there's a new Dirk Gently holistic detective miniseries from IDW, uh, written. Uh, uh, it's not by uh, Chris Ryle who wrote the first one. It's oh I forever in a day oh looks i like the fake sale sticker on the front well i got the alternate cover because i loved this cover they've done that with a couple of um, yeah why i bring it up is idw also sold this uh helped broker a pitch back again with max landis is writing a uh a dirk gently series for bbc america okay so they're turning it into a television series and it's because of the success of being able to continue uh, the, the voice of Douglas Adams in this. I really enjoyed the previous miniseries, so I want to recognize, recommend this one, A Spoon Too Short. <coughs> this is the alternate cover, which calls it Holistic Detective Mystery Magazine. That cover caught my attention. Well, it looks it looks a lot like the uh, the standard detective but, magazine. But the regular issue, period. the regular cover does just say Dirk Gently Holistic Detective. Right, right. And the story is but that. that's the layout for the kind of men's magazine mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The detective story. The interconnectedness of all things was the first uh, was the first one, first miniseries. I'm trying to find it. It says David, so I'm wondering if it's Peter David because that would make a, a lot of sense, but I can't find the actual credits. But anyway, so we'll take that. Those are my those are my recommendations. Got your recommendations. And if you're a Neil Adams fan, go ahead and pick up the Super Superman for all seasons or the coming of the, the Superman. coming of the Superman. But don't tell my son. All right. Uh, so let's move to movies, shall we? Uh, and that is that in in the in our absence from recording, a little movie called Deadpool opened up, and I I just want to put a little perspective because until I actually saw the headline, 
I knew it was being successful. It's actually made more money in the time period that it's been out than Star Wars, than The Force Awakens. Wow. Wow. And so Hollywood is going crazy. So, I mean, by this point, I think if you're listening to a podcast called Fanboy Planet, you've probably seen Deadpool and you, know if you liked it or not. You know what else? It costs a lot less than Star Wars to make, too. Yeah, it cost $58 million. And, that's, and, and Fox made them cut the budget, too. <laughs> wow. Um, and it shows because ultimately, and I think why it works is once you get past the bombast of it, it is a very small story. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a very I, personal story. It's a very personal story. And I thought that even with, a, with Deadpool being a character who spouts pop culture references, the movie can last beyond the point that people get the, get those references because yeah. the story is so Tim Miller, the director 51 years old, first shot at doing a feature film, but he's not a, a you know it's not a Cinderella story. He's been working in video game publicity for a long time. So if you remember when DC Universe Online did that that first um, how Lex Luthor came back from the the future version of Lex Luthor came back that big long animation that told the story of why DC Universe Online was coming into existence, yeah. fighting Brainiac. That was Tim Miller. Okay, there was an ad for. Uh, Arkham Origins, um, he directed. So he's been like telling stories in video for video games for years. But uh, I like to point out that you know he gets his first shot at directing a feature, and this is go for broke. Like he just figured, okay, if I blow this, they're never going to let me direct a movie again. I've got this other career running this animation studio. This, you know, so um, but he made us. He told the story well, not just full of. Pop culture references. Well, you, you say pop culture references, and yeah, that's not. I'm not saying that's not true. The it it is an amazingly funny movie, and I love I love comedy. But if you go if you go to an average comedy with me, you could watch me and you'd think I wasn't having a good time because I'm not laughing. I I, I just I'll, I'll appreciate the way the humorous structure. I laughed out loud through this whole movie, and I think it was because I laughed out loud the second time. The, the 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 thing was it's the the humor is so <coughs> interwoven into the timeline with with sporadic callbacks and for you know, foreshadowing and things that get pulled back out of the past and reinserted into it. Well, um, yeah, yeah. What I mean by the pop culture references is going to be a time when the Golden Girls isn't going to be a joke. True. When a reference to Bernadette Peters and and well Voltron's coming back, so maybe Voltron will last a little longer. But, but I'm not those, talking. I'm not talking about the timeliness of the humor. I'm talking I, about like he's sitting there drawing the picture. No, no, no. And no, that's that's my that's like, my have point. You seen this that's guy, my point. Right? It's well done. Yeah. There is a lot of Ryan Reynolds riffing that is pop culture is of the time because if you watch, there are some parody films as we know. You know, there was you yeah know, that that when you watch them, they seem very dated because you don't know who those figures are that are being made fun of. Um, like a challenge, I keep promising myself I'm going to do is is watch a road movie, a Bob Hope being Crosby, oh, yeah. Yeah. and see how many of those references I get, and then go, well, I'm already a guy who's kind of rooted in the past from before I was born, because I've read a lot about that era, so I probably get more. But what Deadpool impressed me with was I believed the love story, I believed the horror yes. story, yes. I believed why, how he keeps saying, I'm nobody's hero, I'm a bad guy who keeps you safe from worse guys. And so he def they define Deadpool so well right off the bat. 
I would, speaking of road movies, would like to see T.J. Miller and Ryan Reynolds be in movies other than this yeah. because their rhythms play off each other so well. I've marginally liked T.J. Miller before. I watched the uh, Silicon, Silicon Valley, Valley show where he's he's probably a lot more annoying than he is in this On one. On purpose, yeah. But um, this was just like, I'm just a fan now. Just totally a he's fan. He's an incredibly smart stand-up. Yeah, yeah. And so I recommend you check it out. Well, I've seen him on At Midnight, too, and he's he's very, <laughs> very sharp, very fast. Very, very sharp. So um, love that movie. Of course, the lesson James Gunn publishes on Facebook, a little essay that every other site, including I took I took one quote from, but there were others that were publishing in verbatim, that he says Hollywood's going to learn the wrong lesson. Mm-hmm. You know, and because now doesn't it always though? Yeah, well, because it's let's do more of this. It's like no, 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 no. You got to understand. Let's do more of like like I, I wrote a thing saying, look, okay, there's a lesson for Marvel to understand when you do the next Spider-Man movie with Sony. You can get away with the quipping that Spider-Man is known for in the comics. Yes, yes the rapid pa- because rapid Deadpool powder. got a, got away with it. Yeah. So I don't know if that kid has the rhythm. The right. the guy who's cast. But let's let's take a shot at it. Okay, right. we'll go for that. That's the lesson there. Of course, then Fox announced Wolverine three is going to be rated R, and everybody's like, "See, it's exactly what we said. The sky is falling." No, Wolverine two, the Wolverine probably should have been rated R. Yeah, um, Wolverine three probably should be rated R because I was having an argument. When you really look, read into what Wolverine's been doing, who he is as a character, yeah. there's an R rated. And there's a PG rated, and that's fine. I had a little trouble with when he was the pincushion at the end, with all the all the all the the arrows that were hitting him and pulling him out out in the street. Yeah, Wolverine. when you yeah, that was that was a amazingly violent shot. Yes, I but and I love the Wolverine as much as I loathe X Men Origins yes, yes. Wolverine. No doubt, no doubt. And and so uh, you know, then another one came out saying, oh, okay, Death Note is getting a live ac- action adaptation, and they're like. Oh, it's going to be rated R. I'm like, have you looked at the source material? Yeah. Of course, it should be rated R. Yes, it's this. So, so again, when I was I was saying off of air about the outsiders seeing this, they're all all the commentators, the pundits that are trying to say, oh, see, they're all learning. It's like, no, because they're looking at what the source material is now. Right. Flip side. Batman v Superman. It was announced last night. <sighs> is getting an ultimate edition for home video that the Motion Picture Association has rated R. And if ever there is a character who should never, never be in an R-rated film, it's the Superman. Superman. Batman, like, the, you know, they're going to make the killing joke as a home video, animated home video. That should be R. That should be R. Yeah. Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill are going to get to pull out all the stops. And that's gonna that maybe there's both well, of their swan songs for the. I character. would say you could even do one that wasn't didn't have all the stops pulled out, but the ramifications, the violence, that's where the R comes in. You know, the fact that you know, this this is, it's not like Wolverine walking away from all those samurai cuts and stuff. This right, is like the a violent, single shot ruins the con- the conceptual the uh, the after effects. Right, and yeah. that's and that's where I think our rating system fails or we fail the rating system is that there are ideas that are adult. Yeah. And should and should be and the and it doesn't have to be graphic because I don't think that Brian Boland's original art it was more suggested than you know than he wasn't really all that graphic and what happened I mean because people still argue well you know what actually did happen to Barbara Gordon how far did the Joker take it you know that's been a debate right, even up until right. the last what year what happened off camera what happened off camera I don't want to know 
Yeah. I want you to leave I want people to leave me the right to draw my own conclusions. But no matter what ramification I come up with, that's mature. I don't want my 11-year-old seeing that and being like, well, you know, what what happened? That that that's already material as a concept, but it doesn't have to be graphic. So, the fact that Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice has an R-rated version already tells me yeah. I'm sorry, Zack Snyder. You were not on the right track in the first place. If you had an R-rated version of essentially a Justice League movie, you're going to bring in the Flash. Yeah, you're going to bring in Aquaman. Who else, who knows who else? I believe Cyborg is also there. <coughs> I know Aquaman is. I saw his action figure on Sunday night. But now, I mean, I'm I'm trying to think of Hollywood getting the wrong message and and doing the wrong thing. Was Kick-Ass R-rated? And should have been. It was. It was. And and that was not as successful as Deadpool by any means. <laughs> Nothing has been. No, know? but I mean, seriously, you, you, you can't, you don't just take the message out that ultraviolence in superhero costumes is something you can do now. Right. And, and you're going to rake in the bucks. Right. You don't, and on the other hand, you also don't have Peter Parker <coughs> meeting somebody in a strip joint. Right. You know, that's not going to do that. And James Gunn's, point when in his essay was that like he heard it when Guardians of the Galaxy came out. Everybody was trying to. And I just found that an ironic statement in that yesterday there was a big piece about a Dungeons & Dragons movie which is going to be, the studio is saying just like Guardians of the Galaxy. It's going to have that tone. And I'm like no. But yeah. I, I can remember when Guardians of the Galaxy came out and everybody said, oh people are going back to this because it's funny. It's this. It's that. And I said no. You know why? Because it's a good movie. And Guardians of the Galaxy is funny but I'll tell you I cry every time I watch that movie because it's about broken people. There's, right. a, there's a heart right. to it. And why Deadpool succeeds is not because it's funny, though Lord knows it is. It's because there's a heart to it. I, Like I said, I believe the love story between Wade Wilson and Mar- – and, uh, Marina Brockman. Brock well, Wade Wilson's – I went fictional character to real oh, yeah, person, yeah. Yeah. to real actor. I did I – did I can't remember her name. Yeah. Marina Baccarin, I can remember that. I, you know, uh, despite all the prurience of, oh, we got to see her almost naked, it was, I believed they fell in love. Yeah. I believed that she was going to fight for her fiancé to survive cancer. They found cancer. their soulmates. Yeah. Yeah. And that tragedy anchored the film for me, even though there's all kinds of silly things. that like We saw him trying to deal, and there's animated characters coming out as he's got a knife in his head, which is a classic Deadpool moment. I'm like, there are things I'm watching just going... I can't believe I'm seeing that. He didn't push the fourth wall as much, but you know that's not why. It's just because that's right for the character. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think that I I'm going to need to see like Dungeons and Dragons to be a Guardians of the Galaxy. Tell me a good fantasy story. Yeah. Just come up with a good script for Dungeons and Dragons, which they've never done. No. And then I think, and but it it brought me to two other questions, which is, well, now we've watched, you know, we've got Daredevil season two coming up with Punisher. And with Electra, and that's going to be pretty. Violent. I mean, they already are. Aren't those essentially already R-rated films? They should be. I mean, Electra especially. I don't think, but I see. I don't think that Netflix has a rating on their on their stuff because they're their TV series. So I'm saying Marvel's already been to that well. They've done well. Yeah. Daredevil and Jessica Jones. The intensity of what was going on in Jessica Jones, even though that wasn't again as explicit, you know, was that's. I'm not letting my kid watch that show. You know, I just flashed on, and we're going to see this. If this happens, um, 
Bullseye and Electra. We know that in the comics, Bullseye kills Electra, right? Remember yeah. how he kills her? Skewers. With yeah. her own sigh. Just like Deadpool. Up in the air, just like Deadpool did with the. Yes. And they're going to say, ah, that's the scene out of Deadpool. And like, no, it's an iconic Frank Miller. Yeah. I, I don't know. You know, I don't know what they're going to do with it. That starts in just a couple months. I'm looking forward to it. Um, the question, and the other question is, when is, you know, are they just going to keep pushing the limit until you get an NC-17? My joke was, oh, they're going to be X-rated, but we said the elusive today. No, probably somebody's going to try to push to an NC-17. You know, Marvel's done that that Max series that has always thrown gratuitous TNA in on on otherwise yeah, okay kind of stories. And they had to pull back from that. War Machines was probably the one that did it best, but even so it was I'm trying to remember it was Chuck Dixon. Chuck was, Austin. Chuck Austin, yeah. Guy who's driven from comics. Right. Um and he had been doing <laughs> he had been doing softcore porno books for years, so yeah, um, and that's not to, not to cast aspersions upon no, that I as a career thing. It's just that's I obviously knew about them. I did not. I knew he had done a. I think he'd done a series called the Hero called Hero Sandwich, was which is about yes. a group of heroes for hire, basically kind of a funnier. Yeah, he did a he did a couple that were just kind of like kids messing uh, and around. He and on it was King, one based on baseball. And he worked on King of the Hill. Yeah, he works in manga now. He's yeah. not. He can't be in mainstream mainstream um he doesn't work for the big two because yeah. he was basically chased out by the early days of the internet and uh i think he got a bum rap mm-hmm. i did like this last book his last issue of superman he took the uh, he changed his name to samuel clemens um so anyway i mean i think this you know are we going to push to an nc-17 and i'm like i don't really want to see that i and you don't, I don't think that Marvel... You don't write a story saying, hey, I want to write to this level. You write the right story. You, right, and that's why I'm, I'm horrified to see Superman... You know what should material. be R-rated? On the next Hellraiser book movie. Hell, Hellblazer movie. Constantine? Constantine. I don't think there will be another Constantine. I think that... But if, there will be... See, here's the thing. Okay, so, yes, people are saying... There's a lot of anti-Batman v. Superman mm-hmm. press going on for for who knows what the right re- – are they blinking from their Justice League? And I was like, no, they're not because they announced that Zack Snyder begins production on Justice League in April. Right. Um, because I'll say regardless of how bad or good um, Batman v. Superman is, I have no idea. Everybody is talking about Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to see Patty Jenkins, the director – they want to see her take on Wonder Woman. So that's got to happen. I think everybody wants to see Aquaman because they haven't. Yeah. You know, it's it's something different. Well, they finally looks badass. I looked at the action figure. So I took a picture. I put it up on, on, on Twitter. And the action figure is the, it, it's the total justice Aquaman figure from mm-hmm. the late 90s with, with, J, with Jason Momoa's head. Yeah. No, 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 no. Oh, he, he, had a, he had the beard then. Yeah. Um, actually, I think he still has both hands right, right, in, right. in this he version. Have the hook. He doesn't have the hook. But the Total Justice one was far more, uh, you know, somebody said, oh, so it looks like it's going to suck. I'm like, are you kidding? This is ex- this is actually tamer than what Aquaman looked like mm-hmm. in the 90s. It just now he's got the coloring of Jason Momoa instead right. with the blonde streak. I was like, fine, great. I do want to see that character. I almost want to see how are you going again, to we're make. we're talking about the comics, which most people haven't seen. They're, they're familiar with them from the media. Right where it's always been, he's he's standing on the back of a whale. Con- but even Justice League Unlimited 
did him with that because they Justice mm-hmm. League they didn't make him a regular member of the Justice League right they just did a crossover episode where he was a little more barbaric and, and they, he was in Brave and the Bold yeah he was much more uh, much more present in Brave and the Bold Falstaffian but it was a different it was a, it was still a different take from what they'd done in Justice League yeah so you know we shall see and we'll sit there I we're, I'm I don't think Warner is going to change their plan too much and all I would say is Warner fit the tone to the character. I don't want to see a grim and gritty flash. I want to see a Barry Allen who enjoys, you know, because they're still going to go forward with that. I, I don't mind say, give me a green lantern core. That's more of a war buddy war movie. Right. That makes sense. Just make it make sense to what the characters are. Saving private Jordan. I don't think, I don't think you're going to have a lot of hell Jordan. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think they're going to focus on John Stewart. Yeah. I think they might focus on on Kyle. And there's a mercenary. That's what I'm saying. You, you don't have Hal Jordan through most of the movie. And there's a and there's a mercenary reason for bringing in Kyle too, which is people forget that he is Latino character. So you the mm. core can really show not just aliens, but a, but really an inclusiveness in its casting. And I don't want to see that. You got Cyborg coming, although rumor is now that might be a Teen Titans. Um, so, and of course we know from the Flash TV series, <clears throat> we're gonna see a Legion. Um, <laughs> we hope we are not just a Legion ring. But we've already seen Legion on Smallville. Oh, yeah. You know, so um, let's move away from comic adaptation for just a moment. To there say, is a character who has a Legion ring, but who isn't part of the Legion. Booster. Yeah. What did I just watch where I said, uh, oh, <laughs> that if I'm, I'm not caught up on Agent Carter, but I realized that they said when they went flashback and they showed Peggy Carter's brother, he was Michael. So I went, oh, so Agent Carter's brother is Booster Gold. Because it was Michael Carter. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, the things that keep it keep us a geek up at night. Speaking of night, let's talk about D Night. Stephen S. D Night. They are reviving what Guillermo del Toro had said was dead. Pacific Rim Two, the sequel to Guillermo del Toro's Pacific Rim. Because I always say, you know, it's a crapshoot that any Guillermo del Toro movie actually gets made. Uh, so the library in the Sandman is full. There's a whole wing of films that are, it's all just the Guillermo del Toro movie wing. Uh, that's where his at the mountains of madness is uh-huh. and his version of Tarzan and his version oh, of, man. and probably his version of justice league dark, which will probably still, his script may still get shot because if, if there's a movie, a team movie that should be R, if there's but somebody who could do thing, at the mountain of, mountains of madness, <coughs> it's, it's, Oh, no, and, and he even had Tom Cruise on board, and they just oh. threw it away. So anyway, Pacific Room 2 was killed. Now it's back to life with Steven S. Tonight, who was a writer and producer for Buffy, Angel, and Daredevil. Uh, I've heard of the those. Film. You've heard of those. And uh, so uh, I, I don't have, you know, there's not much to say about it, except, you know, I, I was... I, I'm, I know I'm going to be completely in the minority when I say it. I was underwhelmed by Pacific Rim, so uh, I'm not particularly excited about it. It wasn't. It wasn't all that I wanted it to be. It, it, it and and it was squishy and hard to determine what they I would have changed to firm it up in any given way. I just to, felt it was too broad. Yeah. And I get it. And it's the brick thing. You know, it was it was broad. I'm, yeah. I'm sure I've said it before. That because they didn't focus on the right on, on it, characters. Enough. It's easily translatable to other countries. Yeah. And that's and I and I really get irritated watching movies that do that, like that they're pandering instead of just making a good story. It was one of those spectacle movies where the hero, all he has to do to win is finally realize that he needs to win and he needs to buckle down and win. 
and then he wins. Well, right, and, and this is the point where it's like, well, let's use the analog thing instead of the digital thing. It's like, well, if you knew that, why didn't you do that <laughs> exactly. first? Anyway, yeah. those are the things that keep me up. Okay, uh, and it was also announced that Ava DuVernay, who had been in talks to direct Black Panther, uh, is now, and she backed away from that. Uh, she was the director of Selma last year. Great film. Uh, is going to direct A Wrinkle in Time for Disney Studios. Uh, Madeline Leangle's Child classic and I, I can't what they call the te- there's four of them i mean wrinkle in time is the first novel and there are yeah. four books about that about the murray family and i realize there's one i haven't read like i read a wind in the door and a swiftly tilted planet yeah and then an article's about it there was a fourth book i'm like wait what i did i that ah, i haven't read that one so i got to find it um I don't know. You said it's one that you've that you've never read. A Wrinkle in Time. It's it's one that I I've appreciated that it's got a tremendous <laughs> fandom, and I've always wanted to read the story. And I've just never. It's like most YA stuff. I really have to push myself to. to I don't even the know if it's. It. Yeah, I. I'm although pushed. I'm thinking that YA is specious as a title because when I was a kid, there was no such uh, division. It was a kids' book. I read yeah. I read A Wrinkle in Time in second grade, and um and a swiftly tilting planet. Uh, like a year later. I mean, I read all the Heinlein juvenile stuff sure. when I was that age. I think there we go. That's what it used to be called, yeah. juvenile. There were kids' books and there were yeah. adult books. And then you created YA so you could sort of allow people to read Harry Potter. Well, it's young adult. Yes. Um, or maybe it's the Sweet Valley High. Maybe that's what caused never it. never read any of those. No, I didn't either. But <laughs> but I think is that like was that sort of where young adult. I, I should look into that. When did that ty- that category come up? Um, but anyway, she, so she is doing that. There was a TV adaptation by Disney, as we were saying, probably eight or nine years ago, um, which I was rather underwhelmed by. Uh, it was just the first book. So just the first book. Yeah. It was a, it was just a movie, you know, and, uh, I think I have the DVD somewhere and it's, it's a weird, I mean, it's an interesting plot because it's both kind of charming middle America, um, and then becomes a weird sci-fi mixed with fantasy, and <laughs> and the other books get weirder, um, and and that's not an insult because they're dealing they're they're introducing kids to pretty high. I like the fact that they have a tesseract. Pretty concept, yeah. Yes, I I saw two years ago uh, the Oregon Shakespeare Festival did a stage adaptation of it, oh. which was very interesting. I don't know if it was entirely successful, but it was interesting. So there, people have tried to tackle it as play as a play before. Hmm. You know, it's 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 interesting. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with that. Let's get to television, which is uh, now that we have much to say on this. Is that DC's Powerless, which is I'm the least enthusiastic about this because it feels like they rushed something to compete with damage control on ABC. The Marvel series is actually based on a comic book. Right. To say, no, there's this, now there's this, this series like the office set in the DC universe with characters. Nobody knows that's not based on any previous property, but it's set in the DC universe. But the casting is interesting. They announced Danny Pudi. They announced Alan Tudyk and the lead is Vanessa Hudgens. And they work in an insurance agency, and they will do long takes and confessions to the camera about how much they hate Green Lantern. The actual hero, not the not movie. The movie. <laughs> uh, Why yeah. was he animated? Yeah. And then Rip Rush will be in the background going, Jonah Hex was horrible! It didn't exist! Uh, so, you know, it, it's... But it's only going to pilot, and I just don't... One, it's NBC, so it's not set, set in with anything else. 
with any of the other series. These things sound like they'd be good for a skit. <coughs> and that is, I think, at the heart, my problem. I will laugh, I think, maybe for five or six minutes. I yeah. don't know that I'll that I'll find it at an extension. Damage control, if they take that to series, which they haven't really talked about it for ABC. They announced yeah. it last year, and they haven't really moved forward. Damage control, I think, would be interesting because it's got characters already laid out. It had It didn't have a long run. It did have an interesting story, yeah. but mostly because it was the story was character based, and there were things going on that that you didn't know about in the beginning. Well, that, and it was also really the first time I, Dwayne McDuffie created that, and it was the first time that, they, that somebody had tackled that. Like, who has to clean up? Yeah, it was you know it was a groundbreaking Marvel series. I'm interested in seeing that. I think now a sitcom. I I'd rather see. I don't know. A little divergence here. Who has to clean up? I'm currently, I'm almost finished with the Doc Savage King Kong novel. Mm -hmm. Have you read that yet? Not yet. So it starts immediately following Philip Jose Farmer's After King Kong Fell with with Doc arriving on the scene. (coughs) That's a Will Murray novel, right? Yes. Yeah. And And he worked with Philip Jose Farmer. And so um, Doc takes on the job of disposing of Kong's body. Excellent. So he has to work it out with Rennie and how, how they're going to engineer and how they're going to, where they're going to put it. And whose fists are as big as King Kong's head. Right? Exactly. Rennie. Yeah. Yes. Um, like so, hams, <laughs> like, like giant hams. Uh, so, uh, and that brought another thought to my head and it went away, but let's look back at the agenda and say, walking dead came back. Uh, so uh, for the mid season, it's the storyline we've been waiting for. And they did something. They pulled something out of later in the storyline. Just the first five minutes of this was just so amazing because you had the whole town infested with hundreds of zombies that they had been trying to deal with and everything had gone wrong. Um, the episode is just epic. Uh you have foreshadowing for what's going to happen. Obviously, and it's no big secret. Negan is is going to be in this this uh, season, right? Because they cast him. They announced it. Jeffrey and, Dean Morgan. Yeah. And the, but the 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 initial <laughs> the initial <laughs> contact with Negan's forces is totally unexpected. It's 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 a totally different type of um, bad crew that they come in contact with. The resolution is totally unexpected. The the show just just whips you around back and forth like you're a rag doll in a terrier's jaws. It's just awesome, wonderful. It's a great jumping on jump jumping on point. How about Chronicles of Shannara? Chronicles of Shannara. So we had, we talked before the show about about this. You know, you have to go back to when Chronicles of Shannara came out, the first book, uh, Sword of Shannara. Um, it was so notorious for being an utter ripoff of Lord of the Rings that you had two types of people who who owned the book um, or three probably those who had never read Lord of the Rings and so thought this was a terrific story those who had read Lord of the Rings and uh, and were just appalled at the fact that something could be published that was such an obvious ripoff and people who just bought it for the Hildebrandt art that was in the the book on the cover. I'm going to add one other category Rick Reschneider went the binding is amazing. No, the binding was horrible because it was a science fiction book club. Oh yes, okay. But <laughs> but I was the selection. I don't think I actually bought it. I think I borrowed it from somebody. Yeah. Because in middle school, kids were 
talk about it, but I just read Lord of the Rings, and when I read it, went, it's Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Now, what what happened, and of course, that book came out, and I read I read probably about a quarter of it, and I said, this is horrible, and it was on my shelf until I finally took it down to Recycle Books and got credit for it. Um, Cheaper to buy the paintings. They that was came, a calendar. They came, oh, yeah. They came out um, with a number of stories that followed it. I never bothered to look at any of them. The Elf Stones of Shannara. Elf Shannara. The, the Wish Song of Shannara. Yeah. And apparently they jump in time to different generations of this family and different crises. And the other books are apparently much better than the first one. This series, the Chronicles Genara, it takes off not from the first book that was written, but right. the later right books. The later ones, yeah. I was amazed. It's actually incredibly watchable. Uh, cool characterizations. I enjoyed. I, I've in, enjoyed the the special effects are well done. Um, it's not a standard uh, fantasy trope. I mean, you do have. You have you have wizards, but you got this one kind of immortal warrior who's who's come out of suspended animation because well, right. it's essentially post-apocalyptic, right? Yeah, it, it is definitely post-apocalyptic, which you didn't get from the original, not from the first series. novel, no, no. So. Um, but you know, it's funny because it came up at Gallifrey One because uh, it was on a panel on the year in sci-fi on television, yeah, which ultimately everything devolved into. Um, we all like the Flash a lot, <laughs> um, but. <laughs> a lot of grinning, but uh, but uh, the Shannara Chronicles came up, and uh, w- the comment was made, and I can't remember who on the panel said it was that uh, t- on Terry Brooks's message board, it's got a lot of haters from his fans. Uh-huh. They don't like the TV series, yeah. love the books, so I think it's interesting. And let us be fair to say that you hated the first book, did not did. read any further, and like the series. Yeah, and. Uh, I'll also add in, by the way, that I, 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 I'm still going to check out a couple more episodes, but I did watch Lucifer, and uh, I, I, I agree with you that you've got, like, the. they have this great concept that the first five or ten minutes of each episode plays into, and then it becomes, and now we shall solve the murder of the week. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm like, no! He's the devil. He's the devil. She's a, a he funky make, blonde. He can make people Together, confess. they fight crime. Although there's a scene where I thought it was because she's a she was in a like a movie that was supposed to be in like Fast Times at Ridgemont High, something where she I can't remember what they call it. It's hot tub high school, and uh, you know she had basically a, a nude scene or or a topless scene, uh-huh. and she's embarrassed. She's afraid someone's going to out her to her uh, daughter who's like seven. Which I do like that relationship. I don't know if you saw that in the pilot that mm-hmm. Lucifer hates kids and her daughter and the detective's daughter adores him. So she's like, Lucifer, like the devil. Exactly. And he's thinking that's going to scare her off. And she's not. She's like, oh, you're funny. He's such a cute guy. Um, but she's like seven. And, and so the mom sits down and says, I thought this probably actually has happened to somebody. She's like, mommy was in a movie. And she goes, oh, yeah, Hot Top High School. How do you know about that? There's a thing called the Internet, Mom. I've watched <laughs> it. It's really funny. <laughs> and so it was like, oh, yeah. Oh, the world today. Anyway. Um. Uh, just one little gaming note, and I'm not sure exactly when it's going to start, but in the near future, your local Barnes & Noble is going to start If you doing... still have one. Many have survived <laughs> the great purge of 2010. Uh, your local Barnes & Noble is going to start a tabletop gaming night on Thursday night. So 
if you do not have a gaming store local to you and you're interested in in tabletop games, occasionally Rick talks about it. Occasionally Rick's on uh, Garrett's Games and Geekiness, uh, another podcast uh, from Check Doug, it out. Doug Garrett, talking about, about tabletop games. Yeah, Rick is a very, very big aficionado. Uh, and you don't have a local community to play games with because that's the problem with tabletop games. You need other people. Yes. And like Dorothy Parker... There are days that I feel that hell is other people. Dorothy <laughs> so, Parker smash. Dorothy Parker smash. And I, uh, so uh, there are games that sound interesting in concept. And uh, as I think, looking at it, I think it's six games that they're going to be doing demos of and starting groups up playing. And they're pretty, would you say entry level when I say King of Tokyo? I mean, I see King of Tokyo everywhere. King of Tokyo is really easy to explain how to play and I think that's probably one of the reasons why they're going for it. And it's it's got a lot of um you know, it's fun. You're 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 it's the giant monster. Right. No, I you know, there's, there's expansions for it too, so Barnes and Noble likes that. Yeah. Well, I, and again, I think in a town where there are no like I was in Manteca a few weeks ago and somebody I know who lives there messaged me on Facebook and said, "You know, I just moved here. What's the comic book store?" And I'm like, "There's nothing." And you have to go to Modesto to the Barnes and Noble, but at least you could go to Modesto for yeah. the Barnes and Noble. Yeah, yeah. And you know some of these smaller stores, as we said, are all like concerned. Oh, they're you know they're moving in our territory. Like you could see it that way. There's still something that a local shop is going to make offer. some guesses as to what games they're going to have. So they're okay. going to have King of Tokyo. Did they say Ticket to Ride? <coughs> uh, I don't think so. Hey, King of Tokyo, Sheriff of Nottingham. Oh, okay, that's a board game. Yeah, Splendor. Oh, that's a really good abstract. It's uh, okay. I'm sorry, it's five games. Uh, Code names. Code names is going to be game of the year this year. It's and lanterns. The harvest festival. Yes, that's a. Uh, it's it's plays to four and it plays apparently best at two. I just picked that up. So, so yeah, what Barnes Noble is offering that your local game shop will not is promotional cards, typically given at tournaments uh-huh. and play mats, little things that you couldn't get. That are exclusive to Barnes and Noble, um, so uh, you know I, I don't think that it's going to replace uh, your local gaming shop because what they're going to offer is community. But like I said, there are places that simply don't have those game shops. You know, it's it's nice. Uh, when I was in college, Thursday was our <laughs> game night because you know even though we were gamers, we really tried to date too. And so Friday night was date night. So Thursday night was gaming night, and Saturday night was hopefully you had another date. Um, I think it's good that so Friday and Saturday were pretty much uh, Dungeons and Dragons nights as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. They were hanging out at Tower but, Records. But it was a while back. That was it was still it was just Dungeons and Dungeons. They hadn't really invented Dragon. <laughs> no, <laughs> Dungeon. That was it. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, uh, anything that to me, it's not even so much that Barnes and Noble is encroaching. Any attempt to build a community in your community yeah. of like minded stuff. Like I said, tabletop games. There's something about the tactility. You could play it online, video game version of it. It's not the same. Thing. I think it's it's like you have to understand that Barnes and Noble is a safe place for people to go who want to investigate this stuff. They may have been over to a friend's house for game night. It's a reasonably clean, well lighted place for for games and for books. Yes. So, but but if you they're 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 they have good stock of games, but when you you decide that you like this kind of stuff, then go to a regular game store because there's even better. 
more involving, Which more I, interesting I game. I do want to say, if for anybody, uh, I think I mentioned I was, it was at Universal this weekend, things from another world, the Dark Horse owned uh, comics and game sh- and toy shop. Mm-hmm. They have games too. Uh, moved locations in the Universal City Walk. And uh, so if you've ever been over there, and it, because I think people are going to be this summer and may not be aware of this great shop, because uh, you're going to go to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter is going to open in April. People are going to be flocking over there. They rearranged the City Walk and Barnes and uh, sorry, Barnes Noble, Things from Another World, moved next to the AMC Theater. Much bigger footprint. Wow. Lighter, airier. It's so much more room to walk. I, I would go in with the kids. You know, I've took, took them to Universal two summers in a row. And we'd go in there and it's like you you get lost because the aisles were so tight. And it was a small small place because as they expanded their toys and their games. And now it's just you can walk around. I, I have no idea who goes there and buys books on a weekly basis. I don't even know if they have a pull list. But it, it was packed. But you could walk around. There was a lot more room and a lot more offerings. And it felt much more inviting than the old old store had been. So now, next to the AMC, in the shadow of the King Kong neon sign, thanks for another world. Great, great footprint. So you got to check it out. It's a fun store. It's a fun store. And owned by, by Dark Horse, but they carry books by other publishers. So it's it's nice. That's only right. Well, it is. Yeah. But, you know, Disneyland, they only sell Marvel books. And really only those that say Star Wars now. Yeah. <laughs> Occasionally a Disney Kingdom. Actually, book. I, the, only, the only place I found them was in California Adventure. Uh, no, well now uh, Star. Are they the, in the, the Star Wars? The launch bay. The, the launch bay does. Okay. And when you go up above uh, the superhero headquarters, the gift shop there, which is actually probably about half of the superhero headquarters, has uh, has a section of books. Okay, but you're right. You know, it, it's 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 dying. Out. They're just not. I think they're experimenting with comics in there, and it only makes sense. But you go to Star Trader as well. All the Star Wars books are there. They have a little rack over okay. by the um, the trades. No, they're selling individual they're selling issues individual as well because they, they cool. figure they'll get people at whatever level. Yeah, you know. Okay. Great. Well, it's cheaper if you're going to buy if you got if you're dragging six kids around buying each one of them a comic is a lot cheaper than yeah. A lot uh, of things they, don't, they also don't have to yeah, and they're not fighting over the book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who's dragging six kids? All right, Mormons. Shut up. Uh, I knew as soon as I said it, I shouldn't have. Uh, so anyway. Well, that's it. Uh, if you've got questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. If you were screaming at something we said and like, no, I know that answer or it's this, write in. Let us know. Uh, and I do want to also, one last little plug there for, I mentioned up top, uh, Whedonopolis, uh, the the Joss Whedon-inspired uh, convention happening in April in Los Angeles, which will be, uh, the their proceeds will be going to benefit among others, the Pop Culture Hero Coalition, some great nonprofits. Uh, George Yanti, the artist from the Dark Horse Buffy, will be there. Juliet Landau will be there, as well as a host of other surprises. Apparently, they've had some events, and a lot, and a lot of big names have shown up. So I don't know if Joss himself will be there, but you can celebrate with, with people who are fellow Whedonites. So, anyway... Um. Yeah, I think that's it. I'm Derek McCaw, Editor-in-Chief of FanboyPlanet.com. And I'm Rick Brett-Snyder, reminding you to use your powers only for good.
thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com. All right. Ready? Yep. In three, two, one. Listen up, fanboy. It's the Fanboy Planet Podcast. Listen up, fanboys. It's the Fanboy Planet Podcast. And here he is, the man with the plan, Derek McCoy. Yeah, I think that's it. I'm Derek McCoy, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder, reminding you to... Use your powers only for good. Miss you, Nate.